living the dream I'm in love with the lights This is not just a game This here is my life everybody live from beautiful las vegas on the strip it is the ozone i'm your host omar miller i'm here with my brother terry and we just witnessed an absolute positive knockout i mean i'm talking about a thump thump go to sleep say good night gracie knockout how did you feel about it john (laughs) I don't know if you was talking about the Elvis revival show or no, the actual Deontay Wilder. This is what we're talking about right here. Pillow talk. And, and you can hear it. And the arena went silent. I can't arra- I explain to you guys why, what was <laughs> what's going on outside with the wheelie. We're 40 floors up. That guy's driving really fast. So this fight was crazy because... I'm here to tell you, King Kong was winning the fight. He was about to go up 7 nothing on my card. 6-1 if I'm being generous. You're being generous. And and once again, age betrayed him. Once again. But he had an excellent game plan. You could see that he had trained. He had tightened up. He was light on his toes. He made Deontay look slow, slow, slow. And he made him gun shy because he got in him early. What would you see in the fight? Well, I saw domination early and in between. Literally, King Kong stayed, if he could have stayed focused all the way through to the last part of the seventh round, he could have walked away with a victory tonight. But what he did was get a little callous, a little lazy, a little comfortable with four seconds left. He got comfortable. Four seconds left in the fight. In the round. In the round, which was the fight. fight. (laughs) But you pointed out something that was awesome, which was he got up and there was no time left on the clock. This is a serious problem. And, okay, let's not get it twisted. Deontay Wilder knocked him out. Sleep. He, I mean, a vicious one-two. And, and you was know it a one-two or is it just a one? Two. It was a one. Two. I was. A, I think it was a tap and a one. a one. Yeah. Look right. at it. I don't think. I don't think it was a one-two though. You tapping? Watch it. Watch it. Tap. Watch it run back. I don't think he. I don't think he, it was just a one-hitter quitter. Nah, man. He tapped him and then sleeper cell. But point being, regardless of what you know, regardless of what ended up happening with that, the point being is Ortiz moved him off of that heavy right hand for six rounds. He defended it. He kept him off balance. He had he Deontay never, falling for feints. He, he turned him. Never, he angles. Never let Deontay's feet get set. Had him hurt. He had him hurt. He hit him hard, and he had him hurt. I want you and to, he went to the body. Yes, but not enough. But what I want you guys to watch is to watch. Right before King Kong gets knocked out, he takes a breath. He tries to keep himself composed. And in that time period, which was probably maybe one second, maybe two, is where Deontay set his feet and landed that punch that he's been looking for all night. He walked around loaded up on the right hand all night. All night. And and Deontay, to his credit, said before on the PBC fight camp, for him to win, he's got to be perfect for 12 rounds. For me to win, I got to be perfect for two seconds. And kudos to him as well, Deontay, because he showed a great chin. He got hit hard tonight. Several times. Several times. He was in trouble. He got hurt in the first round. He got hurt in every round almost. Yeah. yeah. He got hurt a lot in this fight. And once again, you know, what he did was what Deontay always does is he got bailed out by his right hand. But Lou DeBella put something out tonight on Twitter. Pardon our, our voices, but we were yelling at the fight. 
And by the way, let's paint the picture for you. I mean, all kind of people are at the fight. We went back in, in, uh, and walked out Mike Tyson. Yeah. The, the Iron Mike, the champ, always shows love. Um, there was, uh, and he smelled like Chief Keef because Mike is big on that green nowadays. I was wondering who that was. That was Mike. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, all kind of people we met tonight. It was just fantastic. And we sat and watched the fight with Booker T. <laughs> WWE fan. The man. The man. And boy, oh boy, was that a great time. Now, the thing that I, I uh, that I saw in the fight tonight was the same thing that we see consistently when people fight Deontay Wilder. Too much respect. Yes. Not enough. Not enough body work because they give too much respect. Because I really don't think that the formula is that difficult to beat Deontay Wilder. Which I like him. I, the for, the formula is not difficult. The form to execute the formula might be diff, oh, yes. difficult. There you go. There you go. But there the formula go. is formula, not difficult. The formula is actually simple because he's execute because the he's formula a formula is difficult. Exactly because he's a really he's a light heavyweight. Yes, in that sense, at two twenty versus guys that are all walking around at two fifty. Right, and like I was telling you earlier, what most of these fighters need to do is go back and watch Evander Holyfield versus George Foreman. Evander Holyfield came up with a great strategy because before Deontay Wilder, George Foreman had the highest knockout ratio of any heavyweight in history. Yeah. And what he did. people out. I mean, with body shots. And they stayed out. And they stayed out. And you wasn't, it wasn't even a, you're going to get up. You are not getting up. <laughs> if you did, it was just to get put in the ambulance. That's so, <laughs> so basically. As Joe Frazier said, the only mistake <laughs> I made was signing that contract. I should have never fought George Foreman. <laughs> Lifted him off the ground. But beat King Norton to death. But what he what he did in that fight, meaning Evander Holyfield, was that he did not let George Foreman extend his arms or his punches. He stayed in the middle of his chest, and he never let him get completely loose on him. And this is something that they don't do with Deontay Wilder. And also, you need to put in more work on his body and lay on him. But every he's not good at fighting on the inside. So no. with that, you have to take him inside the phone booth. He is also not good at pressure. No. Which is the phone booth that you're talking about. Yeah. What we saw tonight was... When King Kong actually was the aggressor, which was the first six and a half rounds of the fight, Deontay looked confused. Like, he didn't just look bad. He looked confused. Befuddled. Totally. He didn't know what to do. Yeah. And biggest problem. Because his main punch, if you can take it away from him, he has limited other options. Right. And he would, he should rely on the jab more, but he doesn't. Got a so, great jab. Yeah. So, what King Kong did was to keep him off of his mark for all the way up until that last punch that he got. But what he should have done was just to stay focused in that last four seconds. If he wasn't going to throw a punch, wait until the next round. I mean, it's hindsight, but he could have, he could have executed that. I, I saw him literally where we were sitting ringside, take a deep breath and get ready to finish him off because he had Deontay in trouble. But King Kong is older than, you know, and he is his dated age. Yeah, and his senses gave you know let him down. His spider senses let him down because but he was just a takeoff. Now let's talk about this though, because Lou DeBella brings up a great point when he he Lou DeBella's a boxing promoter. He used to work with Deontay Wilder, and he brings up a great point. He said this whole narrative that Deontay Wilder is trash has got to go because any fighter that can end the fight of another elite fighter, any elite fighter in the world at any second of the fight is a specific talent. Right. And he's right. And what I saw tonight, let's flip the let's flip the script. What I saw tonight was very disappointing in the sense that for some reason people don't seem like they like Deontay Wilder. Yeah, we'll paint the picture for him though, because when they showed his 
name, face, or whatever on the jumbotron or the the big screen or whatever. People booed. The- well, no, 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 no. Hold on a second, because the, the the picture we need to paint is it was real buzzy when he came out. He came out in his weird like medieval costume where he looks like half the last dragon. Show. A little shogun, a little yeah. shogun going. <laughs> <laughs> nice shogun work. I like that. <laughs> little Budokan. Little Budokan with a nice gold trim. Nice, nice, nice gold trim. He's a champ. Come on, from him. And Keeping it pure. And he came in, and the crowd was silenced quickly because he didn't throw any punches. I don't care what CompuBox told you at home. He was not throwing punches. And he if got, he did, he was not landing because even yes. a punch that we saw in the fight, a big right that looked like landed. Was blocked. Was blocked. And he thought that it was, you could see that he thought that he was going to be able to land this punch, which he eventually was. But he got hurt several times in the fight. He was hurt in the first round. When when Ortiz buzzed him. And what ends up happening is he is so gun shy. He's so scared to throw that right that he took punishment. And the bigger man was moving backwards the whole fight. The taller man was moving right. backwards most the of the fight. The most powerful man. The most powerful man is moving backwards most of the fight. Now, the issue that I take issue with is throughout the fight, the crowd goes silent because they're there for Deontay. And then they go silent. And suddenly, after Ortiz rocks him a few times, everybody is there for Ortiz. They start chanting King Kong. They start chanting Ortiz. I disagree. And then they started booing. Deontay Wilder. They booed him when he came in the ring. In the ring. I didn't see that. Yeah, I heard it. That's why I was devastated because, actually, I don't understand why people are upset with Deontay Wilder. What did he do? do? He's almost like Anthony Joshua. Everybody hates these guys who haven't really done anything. You want the guy, literally the bad guys, to win usually. And Ortiz is not a bad guy, though. No. but but for a great guy. Yeah, but for some reason, guys like Deontay Wilder, I would like to know what is it that rubs people the wrong way with Deontay Wilder? Because we know what rubs them the right way. Everybody went completely bonkers after he knocked him out. Yeah. He's knocked out 40-something dudes. and He's had 42 fights with 41 knockouts, right? What do you want from him? And that's what you pay for with the big boys. You right. don't pay for, for it to go to the cards <laughs> with the big guys. Well, and actually, when you get a quality opponent in with the big boys, usually somebody's going to sleep. Very rare do the big do the big boys go to distance, unless you're fighting a guy like Tyson Fury, who's an actual boxer who, you, who relies on his jabs. He doesn't really have, have a lot of knockouts. He's going to try to outpoint you. Right. But that's when, his plan. Yeah, but when you talk about guys like Joshua and uh, you know Ortiz, so Ortiz and, so, yeah, and all those Wilder. guys, yeah, you somebody's going to sleep. Yeah, very rare do those fights go the the distance. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was just interesting to me, and I still haven't seen it. But apparently, in the post fight, that's exactly what Wilder said. He said, "You guys are supposed to be bringing me up, not 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 taking me down." So I don't know what it is that makes people you know do that. So here you go. Let's listen to what he said to Sky Sports after the fight. Confident in my ability and my skill. You know, I tell people all the time my intellect is very high in the ring, so I know exactly what I'm doing. I had to calculate Ortiz uh, perfectly. He's a very dangerous fighter in that ring, as you can see. That's why no other heavyweight want to give him the opportunity. He's very smart. And uh, once I got him, um, I set him up, and then that was the shot. I always say these guys have to be perfect. They have to be perfect. I don't, for 12 rounds, I don't have to be perfect for two seconds. 
and each and every time I proved that. He was pretty perfect for the first six rounds. He boxed beautifully with the left hand, and it seemed like you took time getting going. But was it all a, a game plan just to land that one shot? It definitely was a game plan. To like I said, I had to calculate it with him. I wasn't, I wasn't getting tired. I wasn't getting fatigued. You know, I was having a lot of fun. I seen that he was getting a little tired. He was wearing down. So, you know, and um, once that point came about and I seen my rings, I had my distance, bam, baby, good night. I am Mike Tyson here, Lennox Lewis. Do you think you're the biggest puncher since Tyson? I mean, it hands down. I don't really have to say it with my words. My action proves it each and every time. Is it Tyson Fury next in February? Tyson Fury is definitely next. And then after that, I want unification bout uh, with ever the winner. Uh, um, uh, 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 you know. Joshua and Ruiz. Exactly, but um, right now we get right now we're we're ready for Tyson Fury. Um, hopefully he's ready for me. I know his trainer's here. Hope his trainer then uh, got some some notes down, and I'm ready. I'm ready to go at any given time and any given moment. And February looking like our time. Yep. I don't think he's going to beat Tyson Fury. I mean, honestly, every time I watch him fight, it, it seems like he can't should keep falling for all these feints. Well, man. well, usually heavyweights don't faint against each other because it's so dangerous. But, so dangerous. But but the problem is that I thought that he would grow from his fight from Tyson Fury, and I don't I haven't seen any growth from that. He's literally relying on one punch. And I know people are down on Anthony Joshua, but if Anthony Joshua, if he fights Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua does not have his type of power, but he does have power in both of his hands. He's yeah. fundamentally sound, and he re- had a bad night just like a lot of fighters have bad nights. I mean, Deontay Wilder had a bad night yeah. tonight. And, and, and he could literally put Deontay Wilder down and out because Deontay Wilder has not been able to meet anybody at his skill set at this point yet in his career. So if you fight a guy that's – Fury, I would say. And, and that Fury, was still Fury, him on the comeback Yeah, trail. but that was him on the comeback. He wasn't actually himself. You know, this time when you get out there, you're going to find a Tyson Fury that's a little bit better than what he was. And you actually don't have to be that much better than what he was that night because he actually won that fight. With the fans, not with, you know. Not on the cards. Not on the cards, but with the fans. And with uh, actually, from a boxing perspective, he actually won the fight. Well, it was a pretty incredible night tonight. I it was. Really, really enjoyed the fight. Um, listening to Deontay talk, you know, he took punishment this fight. But listening to him talk. You hear him say stuff. You don't know if it's true or not. I don't think it was the plan. It definitely was not the plan. Now, now the plan may have been, it, it seemed as though everybody knows that Ortiz is older, at which point everybody's stated. waiting for him to, you know, a little bit later in the fight, which doesn't service him. But I didn't see Ortiz getting tired. I didn't see Ortiz. I see. I saw Ortiz having him in trouble and just like, this is where his age, did, you know, Betrayed him. It betrayed him because he actually couldn't throw that punch trying to set him up. And I I do believe in my heart that he saw that punch coming, but he couldn't do anything about yeah, it. Said, this is what I'm saying. Usually it's a punch you don't see that knocks you out. All right, let's go to something else because I'm watching it right now. Honest to God, Deontay put him out. He's out on his feet. Kenny Bayless, I'm thinking that's Kenny and not his brother. Kenny Bayless stops the fight, waves the fight off. There's four seconds left in the round. When he got dropped. He's standing up. I I don't know if you need – I mean, he probably gets knocked out the next round because it's going to take him a while to recover from that. Maybe. But Ortiz beats the count. Yes. Not enough is being said about Ortiz beating the count. He's giving me the Richard Steele with Meldrick Taylor and Julio Cesar Chavez Only difference a little is bit. That, that was, yeah, that was literally the last round. Now, Ortiz is stuck. Don't get it twisted. You can watch his eyes. He's glazed. Yeah, they gave him the milkshake. He's he trying to, to figure out what's going on. Yeah. 
But he, he could have gone to up. his corner. He could have got some ice. He could have got some water. And could have got some air. That's what he needs. some air in his brain. Yeah. Because he just didn't pay his electric bill, you know, and he needed some. I'm not, I'm not a fan. On. Just you guys know, I'm not a fan. I'm not trying to get anybody brain damage. I'm not looking to, for anybody to take any punishment. He didn't take any punishment except that punch. That was it. I mean, literally. So it's not like you're not watching that, not a fight. That, that wasn't enough, like, but I'm just Clearly saying. that was enough. I don't want to take that punishment. He, I mean, literally, even the punches that he did take, he never took a combination. Deontay no. hit him with his left, not his right. He Deontay, hit him hard with his left. Deontay and his is right. saying that he set him up, but what I'm telling you is just because what Deontay said as well to sign off on what I was saying earlier, it was about distance. Yes, and this is, did you hear him? Say yeah, I heard him say it. And you he need got to his take, reign. Uh-huh, and you need to take that away from him, which Ortiz did for the most of the fight. And it all takes is one chance to well, one time to slip up, and he slipped up. He got uh, not comfortable. I don't want to say that he was comfortable, but he got a little callous, and he had to pay the price for that. Right. I mean, he was. I would say comfort because you know what? There was a couple because he points. had him in trouble. He had him in trouble, and also he had actually tasted the power clearly in the first fight. Deontay touched him a couple times, and he didn't seem impressed tonight. But he touched him with the left. He didn't ever hit him with the right. He hit flush. Him with the right, but not flush. No, not flush. And then, and this if you watch a, this, this is a temple his shot into the punch. Yeah, and this is a this? this is wild. He this moves this his is head a temple shot, and this is not the shot that you hit him on his neck and almost you know make you lose your oodles. But one of the things that was awesome about it is that when Deontay hit him, he knew he was asleep. Oh, he knew. He knew. He looks dead at the crowd. <laughs> He looked straight at the crowd, and he looked right in our direction where we were sitting, folks. And that was the heavyweight champ, also known as the baddest man on the planet. Did you see the you see the 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 one two, and you see where how he moves into the punch? I'm running back. He moves into the punch. It's kind of crazy because he got him going right finally. And the whole night, that was the whole night he was trying to get him to go right, and Ortiz had him going left to set him up to go into. The situation. Get him in the situation room. With Wolf. <laughs> Freaking Blitzer. So. Jab, jab. Let's see. He didn't hit him. He threw that jab. He threw the jab. That's he missed it. It's a one-two. That's still the one-two. He threw it. That was just to get him to go right. And, right. He, and, and he got him. And he got him. And, and he moved him right into the space. Yep. Right into his strike zone. Well, shout out to the champ. American heavyweight. Longest reigning American heavyweight champ and longest reigning champion in boxing right now, I do believe, if I heard that correctly. Mm. And uh, it was spectacular. I, and I, it, it was, was spectacular, was and this is what people pay for. Yeah. If you watch the pay per view, you got your money's worth. Yeah. Don't be mad at Deontay Wilder. And I don't know why everybody's booing him and mad at him. Yeah, he showed really hard. As a, as a champion, he showed hard. He was in trouble several times in the fight. He, even when he got hurt early, you saw him bang on his chest and like, let's go. Let's yeah. go. And I don't understand why people are mad at him because he's doing his job and he's doing it well. He's doing it above average, and nobody else has been able to stop him. So you have to give him his credit. 100%. I honestly feel like he's not the greatest heavyweight. I mean, if you look at his resume, he hasn't really, you know, destroyed a lot of quality opponents, but he has beaten a lot of guys. 41, 40, 42, 42 now. wins with 41 knockouts. And most of the time he doubled 42, up on dudes. He doubled oh, up on one. Yeah. Doubled up on Stavern, on uh, he done most of the only guy that he Ortiz, doubled up on is Dominic Brazil, right? Two guys. No, he never fought Brazil before. Oh, no, mm. nope. These are the only rematch. This is the time of the rematch for him. Stavern, and a lot of these rematches are coming because guys got caught busted doing dope. Yeah, so we can't front on that either. 
and he's never been tested dirty. He comes up clean with natural crazy pop. Yeah. And that is impressive. Like you said, it's a God-given gift. It is. Moving on. Apparently, we're looking at a robbery out in England. At least that's what all the fans are saying. Callum Smith, widely considered and ranked as the number one super middleweight in the world at 168, uh, was fighting in his own backyard against a fellow named Ryder, who gave him all that he could handle. But when the final bell sounded, they went to the scorecards, and Callum Smith had won 9-3 and 10-2. It's a serious problem in boxing. Just wanted to bring this up. I did not see the fight. I need to see the fight. But... What it makes me think about is, once again, how we've told you guys before, boxing is the only sport where no one knows the score until the fight is over. Right, and they're talking about making some changes with that, which WBC would be awesome to incorporate that. I just don't understand how it's a good thing. The suspense is great of knowing what the – they've got to find a different way to but do that. But there's too many holes for some foul play, dude. That's what's going on, and we see it every week. Yeah. Every week we see it. Can't have it every week, champ. Come on, y'all. I need Why? <laughs> yeah, it's a serious problem. And then in other news, in the fight that you guys gave me a lot of flack over telling you guys the truth, Kovalev basically came out and admitted that he wasn't serious about winning the fight against uh, Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez since responded and said he's a sore loser, whatever. Uh, and, you know, it is what it is. But Kovalev came out and said too many camps back to back to back. I took the fight on short notice. I wanted my $12 million, and it is what it is. I didn't ever think I had a chance to win the fight. That's what he actually said. That's terrible, and this hurts terrible the sport. Terrible for the sport. And we spoke to some professional fighters. We spoke to champion fighters tonight at the fight who talk about how dangerous that is for the sport. Yeah. Who asked us if we thought the fight was fixed. Yes, and they, they talk about you know a guy just not taking it serious enough because these guys who are putting their lives on the line – don't want to have have the the the, the playing pool or the the fighting pool dirty like this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's not enough respect for the for the actual sport. Kovalev actually fleeced the people in the, in this point, and it's not right. You know what I'm saying because he literally took the money and ran. Now That's he it. and now and now what are we supposed to do? You're supposed to you know respect Canelo as knocking out Kovalev. It makes it even more flawed than what it was in the first place. Unbelievable. And I'm not mad at Canelo, but I do honestly believe. I didn't believe that Canelo thought. I, You know, now I believe that Canelo knows that things are amiss with his fights. I honestly believe that. Now, I didn't believe it before. I don't think he knows. I think, I, I think the thing with the boxers is the boxers, like Canelo, are willing to fight anybody. So, naturally, you want to believe that it's all right. I don't think he knows. I think he did. What you can't say, oh, he's a sore loser. Because if Canelo. What is, he gonna, what is he supposed to say? The truth. Because Which it, is what? The truth is that he wasn't winning on any of the cards, but they had him ahead on the cards. So what, what, what does Canelo Alvarez benefit from saying, yeah, I didn't feel like I was winning the fight on the cards. Good thing I knocked him out. That would benefit a lot because people can res- actually respect that when a guy like Kovalev comes out and says what? that that he, you know, basically I, he just what took the fight What does it change? Money. It changes nothing for Canelo. Well, it t- changes the perception that the people have of him. It's not all the people, though. That's a, this is the issue. Your casual fan believes what the, the, the broadcast tells them. And the broadcast <laughs> told them that he was up 6-4 on the cards, which, <laughs> which is, there was lying in them totally. Much lying. <laughs> uh, this is going to be interesting to see where it goes, to be honest, because Canelo is eventually going to have to fight somebody that's in their prime 
Well, he might not, but but you know what yeah. happens? Usually somebody ends up sneaking up on you. You get a so, creeper. Somebody sneaks up on you that's going to take advantage of the opportunity and give him more than he can handle, even though he's cherry-picking right now, which he should because they've given him the opportunity and signed off on him to do that. But somebody will sneak up on him eventually to say, just like Andy Ruiz did, to say, you know what, I got my opportunity, and I'm not going to squander it. I'm ready. I'm ready. That somebody may be Callum Smith. Um, all right, moving on. Now, there's been so much that happened. Last time we talked to you, Colin Kaepernick was in the midst of his workout, which we didn't know at the time. He had canceled. They made it. They called it a no-show, but he had canceled and moved the workout to a high school 60 miles away from where the original workout was. Only eight of the 25 teams made the journey that were originally there to see him. There's a big brouhaha with Stephen A. Smith and Eric Reed. I'm sure you've heard about it all. And everything seems to come down to this waiver. Now, the, the question is, I'd like to read the waiver because the question is, they're making it sound like, is this waiver a standard waiver or is this waiver specifically tailored for Colin Kaepernick so that he can't take legal action against the NFL? In well, it's not supposed to be action. in question because it's literally designed to, for him. And but what I'm saying is not standard issue. See, then I, I don't, I don't know that. And if that's the case, then I don't know why anybody would think that the NFL should get the benefit of the doubt in this situation. That's what I stated the last time. Yeah. There and had I, to I be something. They're not going to just let him come and do that. Why? What is the purpose of him even having a showcase when you already know that he has a talent, at least enough talent to be a backup I quarterback? Agree. I agree. And I don't understand why people are holding on to this farce of an idea that Colin Kaepernick is going to get a job in the NFL. Well, he might be able, but it would just be carrying water for somebody because <laughs> that's the only they thing they're going to let him do that. They won't let him do that, huh, Chad? They won't let him do that. They won't. They, he they, he's he has gone to war with the NFL, and that's it. It's kind of it kind of puts you in the mind of what happened with Barry Bonds and Major League Baseball when Barry Bonds retired. There's no way you can tell me Barry Bonds couldn't still put up. 30, 40 bombs as a DH. Well, and he's going to bat 300. <laughs> Barry Bonds is going and to give bat you 100 walks, and he's going to have the highest on base percentage and everything. In baseball. Else. But he got blackballed because he did, would not play the game. Yeah. It, it is what it is. And, and I don't know. People keep going back and forth. I can't tell you how many people that I've spoken to who just want to believe that Jay Z is some sort of savior figure that was going to make sure things go the right way. This is all a grand collusion. And the issue that I have is I'm not crying for Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick nor his family are missing a meal behind this. Nike has – I just read something the other day. It said Nike had gained $26 billion or some crazy number on a market cap since the Kaepernick situation broke, and they backed him. He's good. Financially, he's good. It's wrong what they're doing to him, but he's good. But guess what? He's not the first person that would be blackballed in sports, nor is he the last. This is what I'm saying. And not only that, you know. And also. But the, but he, the guys have to be called out, like Stephen A. and all the rest of these guys. Yeah. Because what they didn't do was their homework and research to figure out what they was actually going on. They jumped conclusions. And it wasn't right. Because actually, Colin was right on the right side of things once again. Yeah. And in this time. Let, let's not lose focus on what this is about. Yeah. Ultimately, Colin Kaepernick found a way to protest the police brutality that clearly takes place at a higher clip against African-American citizens in the United States. And this was the way that he used his platform. And guess what? Just like everybody who does the right thing, he has to pay for that. He has to sacrifice something. And what he sacrifices is his employment. 
I don't really know if he sacrificed much money, to be honest. Cause well, he, he did because he gave it. He, yeah, that was his choice. That was so his that, choice. He made his so, own. So, so I don't know if he sacrificed any money, but he sacrificed a lot, and he's gained a lot because he's gained the support of the people. The cap is the people's champ. If Colin Kaepernick would have walked in that arena tonight at the MGM Grand Theater, and they would have put him on the screen, the place would have went stone berserk. He is the people's champion. He is. The culture loves Colin Kaepernick. So, you know, there's a, there's a win and a loss. And ultimately, let's get back to the fact, what can we do to curb police brutality? Right. This is what I want to know about. Moving on. Uh, really quickly, we really want to just talk to you about Wilder and Ortiz, but we're going to throw some other stuff in. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting came out. And here's the ballot. You tell me. What I understand, you get to pick 10 of these guys. You listening? Bobby Abreu, Josh Beckett, Heath Bell, Barry Bonds, Eric Chavez, Roger Clemens, Adam Dunn, Sean Figgins, Rafael Furcal, Jason, Jason Giambi, Todd Helton, Raul Ibanez, Derek Jeter, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Paul Canerco, Cliff Lee, Carlos Pena, Brad Penny, Andy Pettit, J.J. Putz, uh, Manny Ramirez, Brian Roberts, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Alfonso Soriano, Sammy Sosa, Jose Valverde, Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner, and Larry Walker. It's a serious list right there. <laughs> That's a serious list, chop. That's some heavy medicine right there. It's chop. a heavy medicine. Ten yeah. names on that list. You know, I would love to see a guy named like Sean Figgins, even though Sean Figgins doesn't have a Hall of Fame numbers. If you watch Sean Figgins play, Sean Figgins was a factor in Major League Baseball. Yeah, he changed He changed the Angels' whole culture at that he point. Sure he sure did. He's he the one that took the victory. Player. But I can't give him the Hall of Fame. I can't give him the Hall. The Hall, you know, is a, it's an elite thing. And I don't just like to pass out the Hall no. you know, lightly. It needs to be elite. It needs to be elite. I'm Bobby Abreu is not, not. No, 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 no. Bobby Abreu, no. Josh Beckett, maybe. Josh Beckett got him two rings, three rings. Came out. Josh Beckett, yes, yes. Josh Beckett came out and dealt on a New York Yankees squad that was like all time great squad. Right. And he shut them down. I remember being in college and watching him shut them down, and he was only like 21 years old or something like that. Had the thoracic outlet going and everything, right? Well, that was after, that was down the road. But I think he pitched after that, though, and pitched well. He did with the Dodgers. He actually pitched well for a little bit with the Dodgers. Yeah. And I think that he's a he's a Hall of Famer. Just be not maybe his whole body of work, but winning those championships can take you over the top. Takes like you that. over the top. And not only that, it wasn't just like he would contribute to the plant. Yeah, the he band. wasn't. He did not. He was the ace. Yeah, he was the ace in Miami and, and in Boston and in Boston. He was the one. Um, Bobby Abreu, no. Josh Beckett, yes. Heath Bell, no. Barry Bonds, no. Can't put him in the hall with the with the juice because Barry Bonds is arguably the greatest baseball player of all time. <laughs> arguably. But, but uh, you know, he went over the top with the juice. I don't want any of the juices in. Eric Chavez, no. Roger Clemens, no. Arguably the greatest pitcher of all time. <laughs> Adam Dunn, no. And I love Adam Dunn. But yeah, but Adam you Dunn can, what's the lifetime ball. average, 223 or something like that? <laughs> 240. <laughs> Sean Figgins, no. Rafael Furcal, I love Furcal's work. No. Gave me too many DUIs, no. Jason Giambi, juice head, can't do it. Todd Helton, loved how he swung the stick. Can't give him the hall. Why you can't give him Todd Hilton the hall? Todd Hilton's in then. Okay. <laughs> Todd Hilton's in. Todd Hilton's in. He had a nice number. He playing. People want to punish these guys for where they got drafted or picked or played. He did what he was supposed to do in Colorado. And he was actually a good ball player. But was he a hall ball player? See, I don't His know. His numbers say he was a hall. Just because he didn't win a Marine doesn't mean he wasn't a Hall of Famer. We need to look at Todd Hilton's numbers. I need to look you up. Look, look Todd up, John. Raul Ibanez, no, even though I love Raul Ibanez. 
Derek Jeter, forget about it. All of you guys sitting around masturbating, thinking of Derek Jeter doesn't deserve to go to the Hall of Fame. Those are Boston fans. You guys are insane. Don't even don't even talk about baseball ever again if you think Derek Jeter shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you can make an argument that Derek Jeter is an all-time great Yankee, and that's saying a lot. Saying a lot. Crazy. Andrew Jones, I got a no on him. Now, here's a tough one. Jeff Kent. I don't think Jeff Kent's a tough one. It's a no. I was about to say, he's a jerk, and I, think, and I don't think – I don't even know if he – did he got two rings or one ring? I don't know, but it was enough. He but he, served, but, but he, gave, he gave enough, but not enough for the Hall. The Hall is an elite thing. It's super elite. I mean, they, they – And he ran down Vince Scully, which I didn't appreciate. Yes. Now, the next man is going to the Hall in my book. Polly Canerco. I knew you was gonna say Polly Canerco. Polly Canerco's got to go. No, crazy. Well, if you if you not give Todd Hill, you got you got to leave Polly Canerco out. I don't think their numbers are similar. Paul Canerco was a monster. Todd Hill was a monster in the postseason. Hits twenty five hundred nineteen home runs three hundred sixty nine. That's not enough. Doubles five hundred ninety two walks thirteen hundred thirty five runs scored fourteen hundred RBIs fourteen hundred six. Um, he played in games played twenty two hundred. Todd Hill's a hard no for me. And total bases for forty two hundred ninety two. Where is his lifetime average? Is that's a no? You gotta, you gotta, you can't have under three thousand hits, under fifteen hundred ribeyes, and under four hundred bombs. Well, I think Paul Canerco might be <laughs> no might not be making it for you. Look at him, Paul Canerco's a champion. Paul Canerco's in. Cliff Lee, how about Cliff Lee, child? What do you got for Cliff Lee? Cliff Lee is a yes. Cliff Lee's in. Carlos Pena, no. Brad Penny. Why would they even put him on this? I don't know, but Brad Penny is my boy, and Brad was on that team, and he dealt. He did. <laughs> but I got to go with the no on Brad. Todd Hilton, lifetime batting average, 316. Nice, but not enough. It's enough. No, it's not. Are you crazy? 369 bombs, 316 average, 25. Look, look at the numbers of people in the hall, T. You, you sleep right now. No, I'm not. The hall, you need 3,000 hits. You need You need 500 bombs. You need to not be Andy Pettit because he was on the juice. You need to not be J.J. Putz. <laughs> Remember J.J. Putz? They used to love J.J. Putz. On Wait a minute. Your boy has 439 home runs. Paul Konerko. Yes. Bat 279. That's not that many that many more than, than – It's enough. The 400 no, matters. 8,393 8, 8, at bats. 500 was a guarantee. 2,340 hits. He's not better than – I mean, I like Paul Konerko too, but he's Crazy. Not, I, We have to – Manny Ramirez is out. Brian Roberts was a juicer, too. He's Manny out. Ramirez is out? I'm not putting Manny Ramirez in the hall. Manny Ramirez was a major juicer. I thought he juiced at the end. He played at the end. Yeah, Manny Ramirez was juicing in Cleveland. You know good and well Manny was juicing No, I did Cleveland. not know he was juicing in Cleveland. With with the rest of the guys that were juicing in Cleveland. The only guy that was not juicing in Cleveland was Cliff Kenny Lee. Lofton and, and Jim Tomey. <laughs> Those are the only two guys that I think that were not juicing out there. Other than the, other than the you know, C. Alomar C. and – no, no, no. He wasn't on the team at that time. I think they were together. Well, I don't know about Cliff that. Lee and I say the offensive guys. I don't know about okay. the defensive guys, but I'm not. I think Manny was juicing then. Brian Roberts is a hard no. Scott Rowland. I like Scott Rowland's work. I don't know if he's worthy of the hall. Kurt Schilling, yes. Kurt Schilling seems like the worst person on planet Earth besides Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell. Right. But Kurt Schilling on a baseball field is a nightmare. Somebody you don't want to run into. <laughs> you don't want to run into him in Game Seven. He was wild too. He was effectively wild. He was he and me new version of Roger Clemens, which is why it's very interesting that he's not on the thing. But the Hall is also supposed to be about your pers- your you as a person. It's not just about your stats. Yeah, you know that's at least that's well, what the guys it, in the Hall have told me. Yeah, that's not true though because there's a lot of guys who wouldn't be in there. Kurt, Ty Cobb. 
Yeah, but that was when it first started. That was the racism was still openly cool back then. <laughs> so everybody's doing it. Everybody was doing it. I'm going yes on a Kurt, even though I'm not a fan of his. And personally, I think life has given him enough karma because he's broke and nobody likes him. Gary Sheffield for me is a yes. Are you kidding? Gary Sheffield is a monster. The next man is definitely a yes for me. Alfonso Soriano. You're going to give <laughs> Fonzie to the hall. Fonzie. You don't like Fonzie to the hall? Uh, no, I don't know. Lifetime home runs. Look it up. Monster. Sammy Sosa can't get in. Jose Valverde, I can't let in. Omar Vizquel is a yes for me. Oh, the last three guys are a yes. Omar Vizquel's a yes. Uh, arguably the second greatest defensive shortstop in history. Um, Billy Wagner's a yes for me. I love Billy Wagner's work. And Billy Wagner is one of the first dudes that made it fashionable to to throw 100 miles an hour consistently. And be wild. And be wild. So your boy Fonzie, 270. Was that four, 412 home runs? 400 bombs for a second baseman? 2,095 hits. And 77. He might not make it. He don't make it with me. I, he can't, I can't let him in. Those are nice numbers. Nice numbers. Nice numbers. Not HOF. What about Larry Walker? Another guy in Colorado. I think Larry, Larry Walker are through the roof. Larry Walker balled in, in Montreal, too, though. Larry Walker would ball anywhere. Larry Walker's a great baseball player. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's great, John. That's great. Larry Walker, 313 batting average lifetime, 383 home runs, 2,160 hits, 6,907 6, at bats. His numbers aren't better than Todd Hilton's. <laughs> and he was an outfielder. <laughs> a right fielder. <laughs> with a hose. With crazy hose. Crazy hose. Wow. All right. All right. Last thing I want to cover, and I just want to pose a question to you and to the uh, to the fans. Because in real life, I'm not crazy for the NBA guys. I have to tell you this. I don't know about it. It's uh, Even though this looks like it's going to be a good season, I like that the Clippers are real. I like that L.A. is the center of of basketball in the world because the Clippers are real and the Lakers are real. But my question to you all is this. Is Anthony Davis actually better than Brandon Ingram? I don't even think that you would compare, you know, because of the positions that they play. I would rather have that other complement of players than just one player like and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, we know that's going to eventually get hurt, or he's been hurt already, and it's off and on. But literally, you can't say that, you know, I would take, for myself, I can't say that I would take, give up three quality players for an Anthony Davis type player. Right. Because Brandon Ingram can is actually showing everybody what he, what he's about. Not a one-dimensional player. He can do everything on the court, and he does it above average. He's just looking for his opportunity. And I heard a few people say, well, you know, he couldn't coexist with LeBron, but if Ray John Rondo can coexist exist with LeBron, then so can Brandon Ingram. B.I. Mm. Brandon Ingram is putting up insane numbers. He's he? he's one of the best players in basketball right yes. now. Yes, and low-key. Probably top ten, right? Yes, and he was the same last year with he the was Lakers. the same last year when LeBron got hurt. He carried the Lakers, but they decided that they, for some reason something was stuck in their craw and they were going to get rid of him. They were going to get rid of him. And the kid's still only 22, 23. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's got so much room to grow. He, he really, you watch his game, he really looks like a, a slim prototype, a slimmer prototype of Kevin Durant. Right. I don't know if you can get slimmer than that. He's yeah. slim goody. Yeah, they're both really skinny. <laughs> I like what he something that he does better than Kevin Durant is going to the rack. Kevin Durant goes to the rack, but he's like he knows that he's 
actually unstoppable to the rack, so he uses his physical ability and his length to get to the rack, finger rolls and everything else. Hmm. I just think that he just needs to bulk up still a little bit more so that he can – but maybe not, though. The the NBA is lightweight now. Everybody's lighting the trousers. Yeah, it's not a big man's game. Yeah, Although, That's why AD – stack with size. Yeah, but they have height. They don't have size. Yeah. It's a big yeah, difference because yeah, yeah. even Dwight Howard's a light center. You know, that's why Shaq has always been down on him. <laughs> well, Shaq's down on him because he called himself Superman. Shaq didn't appreciate that. Didn't like that. You know good and well what time it is. But AD put on weight, you know, and hopefully it'll help good. him during the season. Yeah. Because I don't Maybe know. Maybe that'll if, help him from getting hurt. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that'll keep him from getting hurt. Maybe All that's right, what guys. King Kong needed tonight. I don't think nothing was going to keep him from, from going to sleep. Nah. I mean, he got up. What do you want from him? Uh, we're going to leave you now because we got to get to Vegas, folks. It's 1130 at night. and Vegas is waiting on us. Gonna leave you with a quote that I love, and I've given it to you guys before, and I just can't give it enough. And it's from uh, David Elton Trueblood, and it is: "A man has at least, a man has made at least a start on discovering the meaning of human life when he plants shade trees under which he knows full well he will never sit." Do things for other people, folks, because we're all in this thing together. You have been listening to the Ozone. Ozone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life.